Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer, as always, is Lou Pellegrino. Our guest this week is Kirk Minahan, a longtime sports talk show host in Boston, most recently WEI, where he's the co-host of the Kirk and Callahan Show. In Boston, sports talk is exceptionally popular, fierce, and very parochial. There are two all-sports talk stations in that city, and they are both frequently at the top of the ratings among all stations. Kirk Minahan has not been on the air in Boston since September, and we will get into that right away as he joins me on the Sports Media Podcast. Kirk, um, thank you for coming on. Let's, uh, Let's work present day. And then we'll work backwards from there. First of all, I have to say, pleasure to be here, Richard. Thank you for having me. It's a nod to my good friend Chris Curtis from when he was on the program last time. That's correct. Setting the dialogue for the city. C- and I am sober. City. I just want you to uh, know for the record. <laughs> we, we, we appreciate both. <laughs> no problem. All right. Let's, uh, let's start here, Kirk. Sure. Why are you not on WEEI right now? Um, it's, I would say, a, a number of reasons. First of all, um, if we're going to go all the way back... Uh, in August, I was uh, hospitalized, checked myself in the Winchester Hospital uh, outside of Boston with suicidal thoughts. I've battled depression you know, my entire life. Uh, I was uh, institutionalized, I guess you would call it, my senior year in high school, um, and then for a little bit, a few years later. And I've battled with it ever since. And it grew and grew over the, uh, I've had some stuff in my personal life and over the last couple of years and stress, and it built up and I found myself... Uh, wandering around train tracks in Winchester uh, in August and said, this is, I don't want to really live right now, but I don't want to die right now, if that makes any sense. And so I said, I'm going to check myself into Winchester Hospital, which is in that town. And they said, you're going to McLean, which is a a mental health facility about 10 or 15 miles away from there, where I spent uh, about five days, Um, came back uh, on the air too fast. I came back on the air after a, a few days, which was a big mistake in retrospect on my part. And I think the station's part, they would tell you that too. There was a mistake all around. Um, after about a month uh, of coming back, I just, it just, I, I said, I'm just, I just came back too soon. So in early September, I announced I was taking a leave for mental health reasons. Um, and the station said, when you're ready, will you present a note from your, from your psychiatrist and, uh, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll get back to work here. October 12th, I did that. Um, and did not, was not allowed back to work. And it was never really articulated to me, Richard, why or why not that was happening. Um, it was never super contentious on my end or their end, but it was vague. And I've had issues with the Red Sox and we had the station broadcast Red Sox games. They had a deep, deep playoff run. Obviously I've had issues with local politicians. I've had issues with Tom Brady even. And so I don't, if you're asking me this, and I get asked this question all the time, the, 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 the real answer is I don't really know. All right. There's a, there's a lot there. Yeah. And so let's sort of take, take a couple of the different things. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother's a therapist. Many people in my family have had bouts with depression and are on medication for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it, it would be important, I think, if you can, as we sort of get into your journey a little bit, mm-hmm. um, what 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 can you tell people about that week? I mean, if if you're comfortable with it, how bad did it get for you in August? It got really bad. You know, it's the worst it's ever been for me, and I've had some 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 down points, but this is the lowest I've ever been. And I went on the air and I came back and tried to describe it best I could, and it really felt like, and I don't really know how this feels, but it felt to me what a heart attack would feel like all the time. It felt like an elephant was standing on my chest, and the pressure was rising. 
and rising. I, I'm getting emotional. I get emotional just talking about it. I get, I get emotional thinking about how I felt that time. I was just extraordinarily weepy and down and sad. And the littlest things would make me cry. A trigger this, a trigger that. And I lost both my parents about seven weeks apart um, in the summer of 2017. And we were right around the year anniversary of that. And, you know, I, I, I was seeing a therapist at the time. Uh, and they said, listen, the anniversaries are going to be tough. And I thought, well, it doesn't, you know, it's tough every day. But it, why would it be tougher then? And I think it was tougher then. And there was a lot of pressures at work that I didn't handle well. And I go from being uh, very, you know, uh, one of my weaknesses, I think, and I have uh, very many of them, is I let things bottle up and then it just becomes rage. And this happened during that process as well. And I was just so angry and it felt like my fists were clenched the entire time and I couldn't breathe. Um, and that's how I felt. I mean, I don't know, I don't know if that's, if that's a, a good uh, you know, uh, definition of what was going on, but that's, that's, that's how it felt. Slowly building up from a one or a two all the way till about a 10, I would say the last three or four weeks before uh, I checked myself into Winchester. All right. On September 6, you tweeted out that you were still battling mental health issues. Truth is, I came back to work too fast. Wish I could be there with. And then these are the people, obviously, who are part of your show. Jerry Callahan, Chris Curtis, mm-hmm. Ken Laird, your co-host and producers. Um, was it your decision uh, entirely at that time to decide to uh, to take a break? Thousand Meaning percent. that did management say? No, no, no. Okay, no. so was man- management didn't ask you to do that. Nope. You made that decision voluntarily. Totally. I walked into my program director, Joe Zarbano's office later that day. I did the show that day. Um, it was the day or two after, and this made some national news. You probably don't remember it. Tom Brady hung up on us. I asked him some questions about Alex Guerrero. And the next day I was really critical of Brady to the point where it was, it was, if I listen to it now, it was just stupid. Like it was just gratuitous and dumb and I was in a pissy mood and I didn't handle it well. I don't think Brady should have hung up on us at the same time, but I don't, I don't think I, my reaction to it was not good. Um, and I went in and I was like, you know, I'm just not being professional even by my standards of being professional which is you know being an idiot half the time i just i just can't do this right now and and and, and i do think of people who have you know real jobs and they then they're thinking well what, i mean are you fucking kidding me like you can't do four hours of talk radio but the answer is I, I couldn't like i just couldn't handle the stress in the day in day out part of it especially the way we do the show i just wasn't doing it as well as i could so in the joey's office at maybe three that day i drove back in and said listen i, I just i gotta take a break and he said i understand he said you know I think you came back too soon. I don't think we, we, we did, he, meaning me and the company handled it correctly. I really should have taken a month or two off at that point and come back. But in, in talk radio, you get into your head, you know, well, the fall book's coming up. I have to be there for the fall book. I have to be there for the winter book, the spring book. I have to be there for this interview. I can't miss this spot. When you really, you try and gain some perspective, being away for a few months, you get that, where it's like, you know, if you're going to do this for the next 20 years, one book, or one month doesn't matter a whole lot, but when you're in the middle of it, like anybody with their job, it's hard to step away and have that perspective. I didn't have it. Kirk, what did you do between the um, absence that you took on September 6th through, let's say, uh, if you want to even take it to today, but in general, what mm. did you do between September and November when you were off the air? Um, you know, not a lot. I was pretty, pretty relaxed. You know, I, I took a, I actually took a nice drive, uh, kind of not cross country, but around the country a little bit by myself for a few days just to kind of get away from everything and relax. I love to drive. Got in sort of the open road, which was great for a few days. But, you know, I get to, I get up now at a reasonable time in the morning. I'm still up before six o'clock, but, you know, I get to have breakfast with my kids, walk my son to the school bus, see my daughter go off to school, 
I'll go for a run. I'll read a little bit. I relax, but I miss uh, the day in, day out. Now at this point, I'm ready to come back, and I'll tell you what my future plans are later on as this goes on. Um, but you know, I'm excited to get back to work and and and, and try something new. I'm looking forward to that. But it was good. I mean, I see my therapist. Uh, I go to meetings. I feel so much better now, and I'm also a few months into medication, which I was not before. And now I think the medication has kicked in, settled in. I'm comfortable with it. I know what works. I know it doesn't work. Um, I just feel better. I just feel good. That 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 feeling I talked about having in my stomach and my chest is gone right now, and that's that's a good thing, you know. And I and I'm, I'm not naive. I know that I'm going to battle this for the rest of my life. This is not a cold. This is something that's going to be with me. Till I'm hopefully you know 90 years old and have great grandkids, but it's something I'm always going to have to battle. But now I can acknowledge it, take medication. I'm going to the doctors. I'm going to the psychiatrist. There are times where I've not gone in the past. That's not good, um, and I'm able to handle it right now. Right now, I feel good. Okay, and when you say medication, you're talking whether it's like Celexa, Prozac, Lexapro, some kind of antidepressant, uh, cocaine, uh, depression is medication. Actually what it is. With a little bit of heroin, yeah. No, it's yeah, it's uh, yeah. yes, it's yeah, it's a. Uh, I'm, not, it's like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a tra- trained shrink, but that doesn't sound like what I would. Oh, you don't think that's gonna work? Okay, uh, Lexapro, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate. That. I was All on right. an anti. I was on an antipsychotic drug too for a little while. Um, I've recently gotten off it. It's just the the side effects of it were, were not great, but the Lexapro is so far so good. I mean, maybe I'll be able to do uh, reads for it at some point. Who knows? Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Who knows? Um, did you you um. You mentioned that um, the they asked you to present a note from a therapist mm-hmm. or a psychologist. Did you do that, and when did you do that? I did that October 12th, and I think that's protocol as far as I know for standard medical leave, um, <clears throat> uh, the FMLA. So, you know, my doctor, you know, a few weeks in said, you know, I don't think you're there yet. And a month in, we talked about it. We talked about issues, and I get, as I said, very uh, conspiratorial. I get into the whole world's against us. I get into management's trying to fuck me, or this guy's trying to screw me over. Why are they doing this? Why are you doing that? And when there's a whiff of truth about it, it gets even worse. And my doctor, after a couple of weeks, said, you're not ready. After a month, he said, I think you're ready. You know, it's, on October 12th, I came in, presented the note, and I will admit, I thought, okay, October, I think October 12th is a Friday. I could be wrong. October 15th, you're back to work. Well, it wasn't that simple. And again, I... I, I've heard theories, you know, I will say social media around this in my world has been unbelievable. The feedback has been incredible. Like it really hasn't slowed down. There's a certain group of hardcore P1 listeners who want me back, and I am unbelievably grateful to them. They're great. They're the best. Uh, I wish I had answers for that. I really don't. Um, you know, I have some ideas and some theories, but, they, you know, they're not concrete. I don't know. I know I have a tough relationship with the Boston Red Sox, and the Boston Red Sox games are on this station. That I know, uh, but, can I, you know, can I prove anything in the court of law? I could not. So I don't really know um, nothing. You know, if you if I went up to somebody and said, why am I not on the air? I, I don't I don't know. As I said earlier, I don't know what the I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. Let me let me I want to ask you this question because mm-hmm. it sort of speaks to some of the things you just said. Do you believe your bosses believe the veracity of what you have said you've gone through? Do they believe? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do yeah. they believe you believe you when it comes to your mental health issues? Yeah, I mean, I, I yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've seen me. Yeah, they know what I've gone through in my, my personal life. They've been around me. They know, yeah. Oh, sh- for sure they know. And I think they, you know, and I think most of them have sympathy. Some may not. I don't know. Some didn't reach out. Some have. But I think, you know, I think that there is for them, uh, you know, I, but I also think it's a different world. These are guys who don't still, 
you know, I think the great stigma, and, I, and you know, I've seen you, I know how you feel about this, I've seen you tweet about this, you know, I think the great male stigma, at least in 2018, still in America, is mental illness. I think there is an attachment with some, not all, that it's almost emasculating if you admit that you have mental illness. Um, it, and it's not. It's, 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 as, it's as real as anything else. Uh, and it can be crippling. It can really screw you up. Now, when it's somebody who has made a great living and had a lot of success dumping on people when they say they have mental illness, is it going to be as much sympathy from some ends? Absolutely not. And I totally get that. But, uh, but it's, it's a real thing. But I do think for guys, it's still sort of, you know, wimpy is not the right word, but the masculine, I think, where they say, well, this is, is this really a real thing? Is, it's not, there's no proof. I don't see anything. It's not the same as, you know, a heart attack or a stroke. But at the same time, in a lot of ways, it's just as bad, if not worse. It can really be, I mean, obviously, the, the, end, the, the worst case scenario is as bad as it gets. It's, it's real, and I do think the stigma around it is a big reason why it's not addressed and solved. I mean, I've read a lot about it the last few months. It just remains this enormous issue in our country that we've not been able to get our, our arms around. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, you, you sort of hinted at, and by the way, I have no idea what is next for you, but you hinted at there's something coming. Before mm-hmm. we get to that, though, what, what is the last thing your current management has said to you about your situation at WEEI? Well, it's been all over the place. We've had so many meetings the last few months, and I think they want the morning show to go in a different direction. I think they want less anger. I think they want less controversy. I think they want to talk more sports than than Jerry and I have talked about the last couple of years. We've had an enormous rating success. We've been number one, I don't know, eight of the last ten books. You know, some books we've done four thirteens, fourteens, fifteens, you know. I mean, you know, you you've been around us, you've been with us before. I mean, we've we're you know, I we I think we were number one in talkers magazines, uh, local radio ratings, whatever the hell that means. But we're an enormously successful as successful a local morning show as there is in America. But I think they don't like the heat attached with it anymore. I think they want to go locally, uh, from a company perspective, in a different direction that's less acerbic, less they, I guess they would use mean spirited and more of a traditional sports talk show in the uh, in the molds of say Mike and Mike or, or whatever you want. Um, obviously, that's not the way I would want to go. Um, but that, so that's sort of been the, the dialogue back and forth. Uh, I think it's unfortunate timing that this happens while I've been out for a few months, given the reasons I've been out too. But I think that's kind of where we're at. So we're definitely uh, we're at a, we were at a face-off, I think, for the last week or two over that. I simply didn't. I simply didn't want to do it. I don't find it entertaining. If I went on the air and did it, it would seem first of all, it would fly in the face of everything I've done on the air. So people would say you're you're you know you're full of shit. And secondly, I think you have to you have to be passionate about it. If you're passionate about you know, last night's Bruins game, great. Go be passionate about it. I happen not to be. Recapping games to me is death. I think sports talk radio has sort of reached its ceiling now. I, it's, it's, you know, I think we've kind of done this over and over, and it's this cyclical feeling to, okay, recap, preview, recap, preview, controversy, recap, preview, where I think station management and, and all the way up top wants, wants that back in the morning. So uh, that's their prerogative. If they want to do that, they should you know, absolutely do it. It's their buck, not mine. Kirk, how long is your current contract with WEEI? Uh, my contract with Entercom, who owns EEI, is, th- is through 2021, maybe, I want to say. Okay, so we're talking about significant years left on the contract. Have you, at this point, 
uh, or I don't even know if you have an agent, but have you and or your representatives discussed any kind of uh, negotiated buyout or yeah. lease? Is that where this is heading? No. Okay. Well, so, okay. So, I get, yeah. So there was some talk of that um, early on. There was some back and forth. Not a lot. Some. Um, you know, it's a long contract. And, and I think they, you know, they believe in my talent. They want to use me. And I want to be part of the company. I mean, I have great friends. And by the way, I want to work with Jerry Callahan and Chris Curtis and Ken Laird and all the guys on the show. I love those guys on the show. I've given Jerry some grief on Twitter because he handles things differently than I do. If Jerry weren't allowed on the air, wasn't on the air for a couple of months, I would go on the air every day and scream and rant and rave and F-bomb and yell and go into management and scream. And, and it wouldn't be productive. Jerry, I think, is trying to do the best he can in a really tough situation. He's handling it differently than I would. Um. So we talked a little bit about that. Um, so obviously, Entercom owns the radio world at this point, as you know, and they have Radio.com, which is an app, uh, and they're trying to to get that going and, and make that more popular. And they presented to me uh, a few weeks ago. You know, we're essentially we're going to pay you the same money, maybe even a little more, and you can do, go do your show on Radio.com. There's no FCC. It's you by yourself. You can do whatever you want. It doesn't have to be sports. It can be whatever you want to talk about. You'll have total freedom or as much freedom as you're going to have when you're owned by a company. My reaction was, I want to do the morning show with these guys. As I became more and more aware that probably wasn't going to be the end game, I thought more, or if it was, I was going to come back to a totally different show and rules that I wasn't going to be able to follow. Uh, the radio.com option became more and more appealing to me. Uh, and last night, uh, I agreed to join Radio.com. I'm going to do my own show on the Radio.com app uh, for Intercom, starting probably in early 2019. Wow. Okay. So there's some news there. All right. So a couple things, obviously, with that. Does mm -hmm. does that mean between today, November, uh, we're taping this obviously middle of November to 2019, you are not on the air? You 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 will be working on whatever this new show is going to be? Probably a lot of building that show, but I think, you know, I think good faith on both sides. I would like to, and I, and I think they've been open to it, I'd like to do a couple of shows with the guys um, and finish up and sort of get closure for that, especially now that I think everybody's in the, I think we finally arrived at a, a decent place where everyone's okay with everyone, temperatures have cooled. So I think that'll happen. But I think a big part of it is going to be building the show because, Richard, I have no idea. I mean, listen, radio.com is the, is the whatever I can read you the press release if you want. It's yeah, obviously it's 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 growing. It's big. It's it's available in millions and millions of places. But I don't I don't know the first thing really about. It. I'm about to dive in and find out. I go to New York a lot, Philadelphia, where the where Ericom's corporate headquarters are, and I'm excited. It, I listen. I'm not Howard Stern. He's my idol, and Radio.com is not necessarily serious. But this to me, in a lot of ways, is a similar situation to Stern in 2006, where it just didn't work for him anymore. He wanted to try something else and have as much freedom as you can possibly have. So I am, and if I bring 750 of the hardcore uh, Kirk and Callahan, Kirk Minahan listeners, the ones who care the most, and I start there, I start there, and then we build it. That part of it, that unknown to me, which is kind of scary, is also exciting. And, and, and this is only going to get bigger. Like I said, sports radio, traditional sports radio, I think has reached its, its peak. This is all new and different, and it's an app, and people can listen to it any time of day. Uh, and, I, and I'm building something totally from scratch, which I'm really, I am really, really excited about. I, mean, I could have walked away. We could have done a buyout. I could have done something else, but I didn't want to. I wanted to give this a shot. This will be a solo show, or will you have other uh, uh, people on it? That's a good question. I, I, I you know, I, I've thought about that a little bit. I mean, and listen to me. In a perfect world, if you could bring Kirk and Callahan this huge morning show in, into Radio.com and kick things off that way with my producers and Jerry, I would do that in a nanosecond. If that's not going to happen, 
Then I'm going to have to build a show uh, and find people and do a thing. But I think, you know, I don't want to be Mike Francesa. You know, four hours of me droning about stuff and taking weird phone calls is not, is not where I'm looking to go. So I think I would do find somebody to work with or maybe rotate people in a couple of days a week. I, solo radio to me is, is, A, is tough, and B, is not, not for me a great listen. Radio.com at the moment is a free app, or does one must subscribe app, for right money? Free app, right? Okay, that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. Do you, does, um, not that it would matter, obviously, because it's on demand, but mm-hmm. what time of day would you be live? Oh, that, I think that I think that does matter to people. In, I'm, so I'm taping this, actually, in Intercom. I'm in the building speaking the microphone for the first time in about two months. Uh, my guess, my guess is that they're not going to want to have it on between six and ten a.m. is just my guess. Um, so I would think it'd probably be you know maybe a couple hours live and then one hour podcast. And like you said, and it's hard to describe this to people. So I'm 44 now, and I think I'm sort of at the very end of people who understand. Like I listen to podcasts all day. I have I have my phone in the car all day. I'm listening to apps, podcasts. I'm on YouTube or I'm on a serious app. You know, I think guys, me and younger, understand that. Guys older don't. Is that you can? That's exactly right. You can listen to it all day. You can listen to the show driving home at six o'clock. Like it's not. It's it's going to be different. It's uh. It's yeah. So I think my guess is live would probably be sometime in the midday. Although that is total speculation. My guess is it would not be in the morning. Will the content be Boston centric, national, or a combination of both? I think it'll be like like our show has been. Like if the biggest story of the day is in Boston, we'll do it. If it's the biggest story of the day is, you know, national, we'll do it. And we'll find some other dumb stuff and we'll play dumb sound and make fun of, you know, Joe Tess and we'll make fun of, you know, uh, Max Kellerman and we'll make fun of the station. And we'll make fun of the other station and Francesa and dumb Trump sound and dump on SNL and do what we always do. Or, you know, what I've always done. All right, so that you sort of you sort of went into this. So there, um, there wouldn't be any kind of at least at this point non-disclosure agreement where you can't talk about Kirk and Callahan. You can't talk about WEI. No. Well, I mean, everything is fair game. Well, Richard, I mean, it's owned by the same company. You know, Intercom owns Radio.com. Yeah. So I mean, no, I know, I no, I, I don't, I can't imagine that. No, no, I think, frankly, I think you know, we'd love for listen. Even if, let's say the ratings, I leave and the ratings go down, which I hope they don't because I love Jerry and I love the producers if they stay and whoever works with those guys, I hope it does well. If it does, even if at the lowest ratings, more people will be listening to that in the mornings than, than my show at first. So if they play sound to me and make fun of me, and because at the beginning it's going to be a mess, but it's you have to embrace that. I think it's going to be kind of entertaining. And if they play sound to that, that's great for me. And if I play sound to them, then we're having fun back and forth. And they, They've always been great sports about that. The guys in the afternoon have always been great sports about that. The guys in the midday, not so much. But, but there's always there's, there's, there's that thing. And, and, you know, and to be able to get away from sort of the corporatized day-in, day-out pressure of a traditional radio show for me where they're saying, boy, did you have to say this? Did you have to say that? This guy's not happy. We're getting a call from the sponsor. It's, for me, a relief, and it's, I'm, I'm, I feel great about doing this. I really do. All right. The, um, would you, is it your sort of intention at this point to, do you want a clean break from Kirk and Callahan meeting, uh, February 25th, 2019? If, uh, would you want to be, do, you know, uh, a guest spot on there where you call into the show or do you really want to sort of separate this entity from your former entity? I don't know. It's funny. I was just in the, 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 the office with the guys talking about that. Like I said, my dream is to bring them all with me. But if not, I mean, if they wanted me to call in and joke around with them, I would do it. I, yeah, I don't think that's that. That I, yeah, that that would be fine. I have no, I have no issue with that. I love those guys. I have you know, my issue is not with Jerry Callahan, Chris Curtis, and Ken Laird at all. I'd be happy if they want me to do. That, I'd be happy to do it. I go in and do shows. 
Probably not. But I mean, yeah, if they wanted me to do that, I'd do that in, in a second. Sure. Do you feel that the guys on the show have been hamstrung at the moment from talking about you publicly? Um, just because again, they're they're everybody's under contract in Entercom and it um it's tricky to uh, talk about a colleague who mm-hmm. hasn't been on the air for a couple of months and people don't seem to know why. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's any, I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. I mean, if you listen to the show, of, of, I mean, of course that, yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and again, I guess the difference is, and I, this is again, I think more a comment on my weaknesses and insecurities than Jerry's is that I would violate that and go on the air and rant and rave. And then I'd wind up getting in trouble and it would be counterproductive and I'd get worked up. Jerry's smart. He's done this for a long time. You know, he, loves me. I love him, but he, he thinks, what is the end game? So I go on the air and I rant and rave when I get, you know, 50 tweets saying how great the rant is. And then I go and they say, you can't be on the air tomorrow. How does that help Kirk? I think he's tried to look at a big picture. I think behind the scenes, he's fought as hard as he could to keep me on the show. Uh, it hasn't worked. Um, some powers that be don't want that. They want something else. So they're going to get something else. That's the way the world works. I don't know how Jerry's going to handle it going forward. I'll be interested to see what their show is like going forward. You know, I really don't, because those guys have been so great to me. The last thing, you know, there, there are times where you leave and it's contentious and you say, you know, fuck these guys. I hope it fails. I hope it burns to the ground. I, I, you know, I don't want that to happen to Jerry or, or Mike Manansky if he's there or Chris Curtis or Ken Laird at all. Not at all. All right. There's a couple more here that we'll finish up with. There, um, uh, You have said in the past, either on podcasts that uh, I don't know if it was hyperbole, if it was serious, it was a combination of both. That if you ever got, um, if you ever got fired by your by Entercom, uh, you had a word of mouth agreement with Barstool that you'd go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, their founder, Dave Portnoy, I th- think it's probably fair to say, is a fan of yours. Um, was that was did a- during this two months? Was there any kind of, uh, I mean, legitimate or formalized conversation with them, or is this just more of a mutual admiration society? Yeah, I'd say B. I mean, I would go if they fired if Entercom walked in here today and said, you know what, we're we're not, this isn't going to work. We're going to get rid of you. I would go if Dave would have me. I'd go to the barstool tomorrow. I love him. He's been loyal to me when I've gotten in trouble. Uh, I hope I've reciprocated. I like. I think barstool is great. I understand they have some critics. I think those critics have sticks up their asses. I think they do a great job. I'd go there in two seconds. And I'd be. I'd be thrilled to do it if that if that were the situation. Right now, it's not, but I would say never say never. Also, by the way, in this business, as you know, never say never that I'm back on the RDEI in 18 months or 24 months. I mean, who the hell knows? I mean, you know, this is the way it works. I mean, you know, Princess is about to leave again. So, I mean, this is just it's just the weirdest. You know, they can they could have a, a change in philosophy two years from now and say, oh, wait a minute, let's we're, you know let's pluck Minahan off of. Uh, Radio.com and bring him. And maybe I won't want to do it, but uh, you know, nothing would surprise me. But could I be at Barstool one day? Absolutely, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I'll, I'll say for the record on this podcast, I have no idea how many um, how many apps uh, how, how many subscribers Mike Francesa has to his app. So well, I read. Go so I read New York for that, the the guy Andrew Marshan, by the way, is doing an awesome job. Have you you follow him? Of course. Yeah, yeah. I know him for a long yeah, time. He's, he's a very very uh, dogged reporter. Yeah, he's it's a great addition to the, the world of media. But he's he I saw his story. I think it was the other day where. They have somebody who claims as low as 260 subscribers to that app, which is, yeah, I don't that that sounds too low. To it me. does, but I, I mean, I, I don't buy but would that. You, can you imagine spending nine dollars a month to hear? I mean, it just seems insane to me. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to purchase it, but uh, um, uh, I, you know, I, I wouldn't even want to guess. It's it, that business is, as I think Mike Francis is learning, is a tough business. It sure is. Um, right? here here's what I want to end on, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I don't know where you're going to go with this, but I think. I, 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 this is something I want to ask you, and I, I think you should answer it. Uh, we'll see. We'll see where you go. Sure. Um, has having issues with depression, being very public about 
um, your mental health, public about the struggles that you have had over the last year um, with the passing of your parents and just what has been a troubled time for you. Um, does will has this given you more any kind not more has this given you any kind of empathy for other people or and here's the specific part. Does it give you pause about attacking some of the people that you have attacked on air? Um, you know, I thought about that, and I think, like, I, I'm not sure. I, I think what I would say is, like, some of these things that I've gotten in trouble with in the past, like last year when I got suspended for ripping the Red Sox, to me, I was back at work too soon after my parents passed, and I almost blacked out during that rant. And if you, I don't know if you even know about it, and that was like, that was a mistake. Aaron Andrews, a couple of years ago, and you can Google if you're listening to this, um, was so stupid. And I feel like I've fallen on the sword on that one 50,000 times. I mean, it was the, it's the dumbest thing anyone's ever said, maybe. It was so stupid. Um, but, like, if I'm on the air and a politician does something stupid, or I'm, I'm trying to think of a, an example where, it, you know, I'm trying to think of a specific example. If you could lay one out for me, would I rip, am I more hesitant to rip this person? Yeah, I'll ask you this. Do you think you crossed the line when it came to let's say Charlotte Wilder's story on Patriots oh, having no, Trump no, that's poor. No, no, that's, Cross- that's poor journalism. I have no problem. If somebody does something journalistically and does a lousy job, because I took no shots at her personally. I didn't, you know, she she did what, what some do, which is they immediately retreat and say this is done because I'm a woman, which it was not. I don't, One thing, I am an equal opportunity offender, God knows. If somebody does a lousy job, a shoddy job in journalism, uh, like she did, she I think she made stuff up. She did in her stories, we proved. I'm going to attack them, and I'm going to be ruthless about it. That part of it I don't think is going to go away. But I think if you get into the personal attack world, that's something I think I'm going to look at. But if somebody does a lousy job, whether it's Kevin Cullen or Charlotte Wilder or whomever, I don't think that that's not that's not ever going to change. Why you don't you think I handled that well? Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. This is where this this is where I think there is some responsibility on your end. Go ahead. Where what the responsibility is, I think is a the Twitter a the Twitter dogs, right? Correct. Yes. What responsibility do you have as a well-known host, See, this not is, this, to light a match where you know that your fans. Uh, and again, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be an asshole here. You can be an asshole. It is not a majority of them. It is a. It. It. it we, we know it's not a majority. Let's sort of be honest here. But the worst of the fans will then go after someone like Charlotte on Twitter, making her social media life hell well, okay how but, much responsibility do you have as the guy right who has a lot of power yeah, yeah, yeah. with a powerful microphone well i heard and, I heard and i'm some, just using some, by the way i'm just using i'm using her as no, an example it no, could that's be a, that's a good it example. could be it could be anybody yeah, yeah, no, i get it. that's a good example yeah. um i think we're in like the personal responsibility world here where is it my f- so if i think charlotte wilder does so she wrote a story just for for some and, she, and she's i guess a former colleague of yours maybe now right uh, yeah, briefly yeah. a colleague mom, but you know, I, I, I respect her work. Right. I think she's a talented writer. Yeah, she, right. So, so she, um, she wrote a story about how Patriot fans in the age of Trump, and she used like two examples of people, somebody, the party, it was just, it was, in my opinion, something she had her, she had her point and then she wrote to get to that point. She did she, did, there was no proof. And so we criticized her, but at no point did I say, Hey, you know, Twitter, go after her. So I, I, I guess the, the conversation then becomes, and it's almost like a larger sort of Trump thing, right? where it becomes, is it my responsibility if some human being who is 42 years old and loves my show decides to go after her on Twitter? You know, I, I, I have to admit, I don't think so. You know, I really don't think so. And I think, you know, you can block, you can mute, you can report. You know, if you're going to be out there and if you're going to promote your stuff 
and if you don't do a good job, I think you kind of have to reap the whirlwind. Now, again, I don't want people saying that she's the freaking C-word or that she's a bitch or that she's evil. No, no. Criticize the work. No personal shots. And then I think you're okay. But I don't like. I don't know. Like, I took a lot of heat for Reamer making fun of Brady's kid. It's like, well, Alex Reamer's an adult. Like, how is that my fault? Uh, so it gets back to, I guess, sort of the question that I... Um, I mean, I th- it sounds like you disagree, I which is totally you. fine. You, you were, I, I don't mind that. No, no, no. I, I mean, I think there's a larger discussion to have. Right. Um, because I, I do think while individuals make their own um, judgment in terms... And certainly, listen, every, we all should be against harassment. Of course. Yeah. Individuals make their own judgment on that harassment. The question is, is that when you have a powerful voice like yours, mm-hmm. um, you can't you you can lead people to doing stuff that you personally would not do. Right. And I do think there is, in your position, a little bit of a... If nothing else, I'll put it this way. I think there's a responsibility on your end if you find out that someone's being harassed. Oh, no question. No question. And they're doing it on on behalf of you, you got to tell them to stop. Even if if you are not doing the harassment. Sure. That's, I guess, where I would stand. Sure, but I do think... Yes, and and I'd have to see specific ones. I'm sure she, she got some. But if people are tweeting at, not necessarily Charlotte Wilder, but whomever, and saying, you know, you got to do a better job. I can't believe you wrote this. I can't believe you lied about this. I'm fine with that. Like, if you write something and you know you, you didn't tell the truth or you did a lousy job, you got to own it. But, yeah, do I, like I said, do I want people beating them down and, and, and dumping all over them? No, I think that's that's counterproductive. But, I, you know, but I, I would say in the Kevin Cohen situation, you know, it, 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 we, we, we actually did a good thing. I mean, we, we exposed somebody who was yeah, not no, telling, did, you know, So it's it sort of— That it, is a different— Different situation where I agree. I think you expose someone who was fabricating. There's no question about that. Right. And I think. Or, or exa- maybe, if not fabricating, the word would be exaggerating. And I think it if really it was, would depend on your definition. And I think if the Wall Street Journal broke that same story, or the New York Times broke that same story, or somebody else broke that same story, he would have lost his job. You know, but since I did it in our state, you know, given the relationship with the globe, he decided, that, you know, you saw what happened to the Houston Chronicle this week. I mean, people lose their jobs over that. But yeah, I think it's an interesting. In this era, but I do think there has to be an overall thickening of the skin, too. If you're getting harassed, like I said, if someone's saying they're going to kill you or beat you, then that's totally different. Report, do whatever you have to do, block them. Those people suck. I hate those people as much as anybody else. Believe me, I have people tweeting, they wish I, I'd kill myself. So, I mean, you know, this is I, that part I get. But there has to be some point where you have to say, I have to own some of it. And some of it you just have to ignore. These are people... These are these are losers on Twitter. Some of these people who just who are just doing this simply to get a rise out of you. And if you react to it, you're giving them what they want. There is some of that too. You um you join. Let me know if my chronology is right here. Mm-hmm. You joined Dennis and Callahan, the Dennis and Callahan show in 2013, uh, roughly 2012, February like 2013. I think is right. Okay, February 2013. Um, you then become one of the principal hosts of that show. Mm-hmm. Five years later, here you are. Yeah. Um. So I want to ask you this question, and it's sort of a it's sort of the, this is where we'll sort of end here. Sure. Um, what what you have gotten from sports talk radio, obviously, fame, uh, money, mm-hmm. certainly adulation, downside, obviously, you know, a, a criticism as well. Yeah. But as a general rule, you you went from someone who really wasn't known in one of the great sports markets in America to become someone who's very very well known in there. Um, has it been worth it? Do you think in the end the um, the highs from being on air, the highs from being public, and the lows, obviously, as you've said, real depression, maybe unable sometimes to deal with even just being on the show. 
where where does that equation, in your opinion, stand out? You're still obviously going to continue this job. Mm-hmm. You've already said that, but I wonder if you ultimately maybe. I mean, I I sometimes think to myself in media: Are some people do they have the pathology for whatever the job they have? And I think some people have it, and then others it kills them every day. Yeah, I and I wonder right. at least at this point where you stand on all this. No, I think it's a good question. I think you know. I think that too is if, you know, if I worked at Barnes and Noble and, and whatever, or, you know, was a waiter, I think depression is just depression. You know, I think going through, I went through with my parents and being with them every day and watching them die and suffer through cancer. And I think if I work somewhere else, I think I'd be frustrated with my boss there or I'd be upset with the way. So I think that just, that doesn't change. I do think the stress and the fact that your successes are, are public and your failures are public adds to it. Was it wor- is it worth it? Absolutely. I mean, when it's good, it, there's no better. It's, it's like a drug. It's like a rush. Uh, and I miss it there. You know, I, I like the quiet a lot now that I'm away from, it, but I also miss the, the, the battling, the fighting, the laughing, the breaking balls, the, 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 the part of stuff that working with Jerry and, and mud and Ken and Chris, that I love to do so much. And I can't wait to do again at radio.com, which I think is going to be great. I mean, I can't wait for that either. Is it worth it? Yes. Do I think it's for everybody? No. Do I hope I can recognize when I start feeling that way again next time and get ahead of it? Yeah. Do I, am I guaranteed that's going to happen? No. I mean, obviously not, but I feel, uh, from a coping perspective, I feel better about it, but, but it was a worth it. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, it's, you know, this is, this is what I do. This is what I was born to do professionally and I love doing it when it's right. Kirk Minahan is a longtime sports talk host in Boston. As I said, uh, most recently, WEI, where he co-hosted the Kirk and Callahan show. He has said on this podcast, if you've gone this far, he is heading to radio.com, where he will start his own show on that app in 2019. Kirk, uh, Kirk, I'm correct. There's no specific date. Early 2019 is probably accurate at this point. Yes, I will let you know for sure, Richard, uh, when you come on my podcast again for the ninth time. I would... uh, if I were you, I might go for a higher level of guest if you're trying to create some interest in the, <laughs> Good point. In the, in the app. Um, he, uh, and again, he has, I think, spelled on this podcast sort of why he's out, what has happened. And I think there will be a lot of people, obviously, who are surprised, who probably thought he was going to come on and say Intercom like had fired him today. That is not the case. He continues to work for that company mm-hmm. and will in the foreseeable future. Kirk, I appreciate um, you telling your uh, your story with me today and I, I imagine our paths will cross again thank you very much for being on the sports media podcast all right richard i hope so i'll talk to you soon i'm sure all right back in the studio uh my thanks to guest uh, kirk minahan and producer lou pellegrino previous guests of this podcast include troy aikman that's the previous uh podcast if interested kate abdow the uh turner sports and fox sports soccer host rachel nichols and candace parker Jamel Hill, Chris Haynes, Renee Young of the WWE. Head to the uh, Sports Media Podcast with Richard Deitch page if you're interested. We're up, uh, we're at, I think, 28 episodes now in this uh, in this new run. So there's a lot there, um, which should still be, as they say in the business, evergreen if you're interested in those conversations. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, our next podcast will be a women's basketball roundtable with uh, Rebecca Lobo and LaChina Robinson on how that sport is covered the best places in the country to read about women's basketball. So if you're a women's hoops fan, check that out. Those are two of the best. For my producer, Lou Pellegrino, this is Richard Deitch. We'll see you again on the Sports Media Podcast.